Awesome. Come on, church. One more time. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? So thankful for him and what he's done in, in all of our lives and really excited for today and excited for uh, man, the moments that we get to share together every single week and uh, really looking forward to gathering around God's word this morning here in just a second. But listen, today marks uh, 32 weeks as a church uh, gathering on Sunday morning. It's 32 weeks of the Becoming Church being in existence. And listen, let me let you in. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Let me let you in on a little bit of a secret. We're 32 and 0. <laughs> we are undefeated. We have not had a single bad Sunday here at the Becoming Church. And you're like, what are you talking about? The reason why we haven't had a single bad Sunday here at the Becoming Church it's because every single week, our goal has been to make a big deal about Jesus. Come on. And, and, and when that is the goal, when that is the heart, when that is the, 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 the posture that we stand from and live on, live from, you can't have a bad Sunday. So I may preach terribly. There may be a note that wasn't hit. Somebody didn't smile at you as great as they did last week. But we still made a big deal out of Jesus in the process. And because of that family, we're undefeated. Because listen, this thing, the Becoming Church, it's not about a person. It's not about a personality. It's not about a brand. It's not about marketing strategies. It's, 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 it's none of that. And I mean, I guess we have a brand. I guess we had a marketing strategy. We didn't exist, so you had to find out about us somehow. But this is about Jesus. That's it. It, all, it always has been, and it is, and it always will be. This thing is about Jesus. Our mission, we say it this way, is to help people live closer to God. So every single thing that we do is always going to point back and, and answer this question, is this helping people live closer to God? And listen, sometimes we may not even understand that, like individually, but know this, everything we do, we do it with that mission in mind. And that mission we believe is possible because of our vision, which is to help others belong to the community, believe in Jesus, and become who God desires them to be. And I believe that you can't become who God desires you to be without first knowing him. Because the moment you discover him, then that is the moment you can discover who he is and what he wants to do in your life. You know, I've said this often that when you step into these doors or onto this campus, that you never leave with just this expression of saying like, yo, that place, man, there's a vibe there. Like I feel a vibe at that spot. I mean, that's cool. And I get where you're coming from. But my, my prayer has always been, it's not about you catching a vibe, but rather you catching vision for your life. Are you tracking with me? A vision for your marriage, a vision for your family, a vision for your career, and a vision for your future. So listen, Vision Sunday today, which is today, it isn't so much about the vision of the becoming church more than it's about the vision for your life. And here's why. Because you are the becoming church. We are the becoming church. Without you, there is no TBC. So we are together collectively the becoming church. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about vision, and we're going to use Ephesians uh, 2, verses 19 through 22 uh, to kind of help guide our conversation. So I'm going to read it, and then um, 
I, well, let me say it like this. I'm going to read it, and you're probably going to have to follow along with me on the screen because I'm going to be reading the message paraphrase, and you may or may not have that copy. I don't know. So track with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Y'all ready? Two of you. Y'all ready? Come on now. Come on now. Let's, let's do this. It says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You, you're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Y'all getting that? You belong here with your story, with your history, with your past, with who you are today. You belong here. But not only do you belong here, but you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone And look what God is doing. He is building a home. And who is he using? He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here. And I love love how the message paraphrase puts it, irrespective of how we got here. Because we have all different journeys, all different ways. Some of us grew up in church. Some of us, we couldn't spell church. (laughs) But but we're here. We're, We're at this point. And God is using us collectively in what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. But look what he's doing now. Now he's using you and he's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. We just sang about this a moment ago with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape. Day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into a temple in which God is quite at home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. God, thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, thank you for these moments that we share. God, thank you for what you're doing in this space. God, thank you, God, on this Vision Sunday. Lord, that it's not about just the vision of the Becoming Church, but it's about vision for our lives. God, help us to see what it is you want us to see. God, help us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, I pray in these moments that faith will arise, hope will arise, Lord, and destiny will be realized. God, we say this, speak, because we're your servants and we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen. You know, family, parenting, uh, it's a journey. Anybody agree with that? Parenting. Those of you, you look, even if you don't have kids, right? You, you may see your, your, your brother, your sister, your cousin who have kids, and you're like, ooh, that's a journey. Glad that's you right now and not me. But, but parenting is a journey, and, you know, we're all at different points in that journey. Some of us, you may not have kids yet. Uh, some of us may have uh, young kids like Katie and I. Some of you may have, uh, you may, be getting ready to send somebody off to college or already done that, or you may be empty nesters in here. Either way, it is a journey. Parenting is a journey. And even with us being early in this journey, uh, Katie and I, or at least, you know, well, both of us, uh, we find ourselves like just reflecting as we see the kids get older and older and older. Like when they're younger, you know, their breath doesn't really stink, you know. It's just like, oh, this is like little baby breath. You know, it's like just a thing. But now we're at that point, like, whoo, buddy. 
go brush your teeth first. <laughs> Katie got on to me one time because I won't name the, the, the son that came up and <laughs> he was talking to me. I said, hey, woo. And she's like, Michael. I was like, babe, it was bad. <laughs> she's like, but don't react like that. I almost fell. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. That's what I almost did when he. Uh... <laughs> but anyway. We're at different points, um, and, and we sit back and we, you know, kind of look like, man, this is cool, and, and, and kind of like sad at the same time of seeing them get older. And so having um, Zoe, who's the youngest, is, you know, I'm kind of really even more in the last really just cherishing these moments, you know, um, at the age that she is because, you know, the boys are past that. But I remember back with the boys when they were younger, like they still enjoy toys, uh, but when they were younger, they loved like, you know, blocks. They love playing with, with blocks. Just, I mean, we had blocks for days like that. They had other toys, Paw Patrol, all that stuff. But they just love playing with blocks. They love building things. They love putting things together. And, and it was really great uh, for Katie and I because those blocks or bricks, um, they saved us time. They saved us time or they bought us time. So we could just chill. And it felt like hours. It was probably only 30 minutes, but listen, they're 16 months apart. So 30 minutes felt like hours to just sit there on the, on the couch and remember that we know each other again because, you know, everything was around them. And they would just play and build these things. And they would come back and they would show us, like, what they built. And they would explain to us what it is. It didn't look like it, but, man, we, we went on like, man, buddy, that's, that's awesome. That's so nice. I love that. And the excitement on their face, their face would light up. And then, you know, they would love to build things. And, and when the grandparents would come over, uh, which my mom was here this morning. Hey, mom, good to see you. Um, grandparents would come over. They're like, Granny, look at this. Gee, look at this. They would love to build. Now, the one struggle was when we've cleaned up the playroom, and then we're chilling, and then you hear what sounds like crashing sounds of literally all those bricks, all those blocks being poured out into the area. Not because they were necessarily going to play with every single one of them. They, I don't know, they just liked a mess. Because <laughs> one, one block or one brick wasn't enough. They needed several Blocks. They needed several bricks. It was brick by brick that they were building these structures. And some of you may have gathered where I'm going, family. It is brick by brick that a house is built. A builder just doesn't use a single brick when it's time to brick a house. You would never close on that house, I would imagine. But it's brick by brick that a house is built, that a house is brick. Family, it's brick by brick that your life is built. It's brick by brick that this church is built. And listen, I don't know where you may be on your journey, but please know this and please understand this, that no matter if you feel like life can't get any better than it is right now, or you feel like you can't wait until life is better than what it is right now, this is what we never reach. We never reach this point of arrival. We never hit this point where we go, okay, I'm done. I've made it. Like there's nothing else. There's nowhere else to go. Why? Why do we know this? Because Philippians 1.6, it tells us being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means you are still progressing. That means you are still becoming. It means that your life is being built brick by brick. So if you hit a spot 
where it, it feels like it's off, you feel like you're not connecting, you feel like you've totally lost it and you messed up. There's absolutely no reason why you have to hit the exit ramp and quit. You can just keep going because it's a journey of progression of who that person that God is calling you to be, which is ultimately to love, live, and look like Jesus. We don't reach this point of arrival, but it's a journey. So often, many will hit the exit ramp because of this false, this incorrect message that believers or those who follow the way of Jesus live these perfect lives and never mess up. And so what happens is people say, well, you know what? Because I've done this, because I've, because I've messed up, then that's it. I can't live what is required. But listen, every single thing that was required has already been taken care of by Jesus on the cross. So the idea that it would be based on what you do is the incorrect idea because whatever you could have done has already been done by the finished work of Jesus. So if you messed up, get up and keep on progressing. And here's the thing. The thing that the enemy would try to use to take you out is one of those bricks that the Lord is using to build your story of his faithfulness in your life. And so no matter what it was, that was just the brick. That was just a piece of the story that God is using where ultimately he's going to be glorified for that. So don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Keep on going. This church is being built brick by brick. We're 31, 32 weeks old today. And listen, we're not here trying to be a one-night, a one-hit wonder, right? But we're here to be significant over time, right? We're here to, to play the long game. That this, this church will out, outlive all of us, right? This church will be here for, for your kids, will be here for your grandkids, will be here for your great-grandkids. You know, obviously, and Jesus comes, and it's like, cool. But until then, like, this church is the long game. That's why I said earlier, this church is not built up on one person. This church is not built up on a personality. Because um, I could be 100 years, live to be 100 I'm not preaching that long. God bless y'all. I can be 100 years old, like I'm done, but somebody else way before that, obviously, is carrying, carrying this, this, the vision that God has for this church on. So this church wasn't planted to be about a person or about a personality. And so this thing is bigger than all of us. And so we're here to play a, a, the long game. We're here to be significant over time. And so this is the question that I want us to answer this morning. It's like, what does it mean to live life one brick at a time. Anybody want to catch it? <laughs> Let's answer that question. So to give some context to the text, Paul, who is an apostle, he's the writer of Ephesians, and uh, he's most likely writing to the church there in Ephesus. And it's a letter that's primarily written to Gentiles uh, or non-Jewish Christians. And he's writing this letter to encourage those Gentile believers and to make it clear uh, that Jews and Gentiles have been brought together as part of one 
body in Christ. So that was a big conversation because, you know, Jewish uh, uh, Christians were like, well, wait a minute. You know, we're kind of the root of this thing. This is where all of this comes from. So, you know, don't we have some level of hierarchy here? And Paul says, listen, like, no, Jesus is saying, I'm taking you, the Gentiles, and you, the Jews, and, and there's one, you're going to be part of one body in Christ. That's why when you read, especially the first three chapters of Ephesians, go and count how often you see uh, the phrase in Christ or in him. Right, Because Paul is trying to, to paint this picture and get it ingrained in them that it's about being in Christ. So it's not about your ethnicity. And this is a message for us today because so many of us, we settle into our ethnicity. And he's like, no, when you belong to Jesus, it's bigger than your ethnicity. That your number one identifier is that you are in Christ. It's not about your gender. It's not about what, what social uh, economic uh, a bracket uh, you may fall in. No, all of that, it, it, it falls off when you say yes to Jesus and the number one identifier you have that you now identify with is being in Christ. And so the gospel, so this is what Paul was, was through that, this is Paul, what Paul was communicating, that the gospel isn't an exclusive message, but it's an inclusive message. Now here's what I mean when I say that. It's Exclusive, meaning that Jesus is the way. So track with me there. But it's inclusive, meaning that anyone can take that way. That's why the scripture says, whosoever believes. So anyone who believes this message is for you. Now, the Jews, they would have been very familiar with the law, right? Trying to uphold all the standards of the law and the work that the, the law required. But Paul through this letter, he was taking time to remind some and to inform others that it's not about doing good to get good, but rather good has already been done by Jesus and his finished work on the cross. And that's why he says this later or earlier in Ephesians 2 uh, verse 8 when he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. For it is by grace. It doesn't say for it is by the fact that you completed the Bible in one year. That it is by you speaking in tongues more than anybody else in this room. That it is by how much you give, how much you serve. It is by how nice you are, how gifted you are, how many people know your name. No, it says it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace, family, through faith in Jesus. This is not from yourselves, but it is a gift of God, meaning you, you don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. There is nothing that we can do for this. This is God's grace. This is his unmerited favor of giving us something that we absolutely do not deserve. It is a gift from God. And with this gift that we have received, it is for us to know first that we have value. And secondly, that God intends for our lives to be used for good. You say, what are you talking about? Later, two verses later, Paul says this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship. Now, some translations will say we are his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but a masterpiece is often deemed priceless. Let me tell you this. You were created 
in the image of God. And, and, and not only were you created in God's image, but then God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. There is nothing more valuable than the life of Christ. And so understand this, that your life has value. So I don't know what you've heard. I don't know what you've told yourself, that you didn't mean anything, that you didn't have purpose, you didn't have value, that you were just a mistake. I come here this morning to remind you that you weren't just, you're not just a mistake. You were just not a passing in the night, that you are not forgotten, that, that it's not about who doesn't know you because of the one who does know you. You were created in his image, and he says through his word that you are a masterpiece. So never allow someone to cause you to live beneath the level of which the value that has been placed on your life. Listen, you are God's workmanship. You are a masterpiece. He handcrafted you when he puts you together. Listen. We don't walk around today, we don't see God, but he is reflected in you because you were created in his image. That's why we have to go on the journey of becoming, because ultimately that journey of becoming is basically sanctification. God says, be holy as I am holy. And the process to the way that he is holy is through a process called sanctification, not perfection, but being perfected. So ultimately, we love, live, and look like Jesus. So when people see you, they see Jesus. That's why we have to hide our life in Christ. As Colossians 3 talks about that when we say yes to him, that when the Lord looks at us, he doesn't see our flaws, our issues, our struggles, our past, but he sees his son, Jesus, because our life has been hidden in Christ. As if, if someone was on the stage and now our life is hidden in him. So understand, family, you have value, but value for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, meaning he already had a plan for your life that we should walk with them, walk in them. Now, you may be confused a little bit. You said, wait a minute, this says created in Christ Jesus for good works. I thought you just said it's not about doing good to get good. And I'm like, correct, that's a good observation. I did say that. But listen. We are saved not by doing good works, but we are saved for good works. So it's not about doing good to get good, but it's about realizing that, that all that has been made possible and available through Jesus and by saying yes to him, that we are now positioned to go live out a Christian life following the way of Jesus for good works. And those good works are going to be revealed and how we live our lives. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? And so the question that we're answering this morning is, what does it mean to live brick by brick? And if you ever built a home before, or at least familiar with the process, then you know, uh, you know you got several different builders that you can choose from. Uh, you can choose them for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's the location that they build, or maybe it's the floor plans they have, or you know, maybe it's the quality, the reputation, whatever the case may be. You, you go and choose a builder. Now, if you choose Builder A over Builder B, then, you know, it's Builder A who's going to lay the foundation, right? Builder B is not coming in to do that. The first home builder, Builder A that you chose, is going to lay the foundation for the home that's being built, right? And I say this to illustrate this point, that before we can answer the question, what does it mean to live brick by brick, we got to first understand who is doing the building. And Matthew 16, 18 reveals that to us when it says this. This is Jesus after uh, Peter gets this revelation. And Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of 
Hades, or some translations say the gates of hell, will not overcome it. So the Greek word, Kevin, help me out with this later, okay? (laughs) The Greek word for Peter is petros, which means an individual stone that's not, that's, that's, it's just an individual, right? Just an individual stone, just a single brick. But the word that Jesus used when he says on this rock, he used petra, meaning a large collection of rocks. So what does that mean? Essentially, Jesus was saying this, that I'm using a collection of individual stones, a collection of stones, men and women like Peter, who are living submitted lives to Jesus as their Savior, and he's joining these individual rocks together into a single entity that is the church and that is being built on Jesus Christ himself as the foundation. Are y'all tracking with me right there? So meaning this is not, it's not about a person. It's not about one person, but it's about what we are being built into collectively. That's why he says, I am, I'm using you brick by brick, stone by stone. And let me go back to that verse, Matthew 16, 18. Oftentimes when people will hit this verse, they'll talk about it in a sense that, well, the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not overcome it. And it's, and it's spoken of from this perspective that as the church, we're trying to you know, fend off the attack of, of hell and all that the enemy is trying to bring. But that is an incorrect understanding of the text, of the scripture. Because I don't know about you guys, but gates are put up to do what? To keep things out. Gates don't move. (laughs) Y'all seen gates moving like that? Gates don't move. They, they, They stay to keep things out. If you have a fence in yard, it's to keep people out, to keep dogs out, just it's, it's to keep, it's to protect. So when it says, when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail or overcome it, meaning the gates of hell is not going to be able to withstand this offensive attack of the church. That we're not sitting by hoping we don't get beat up. No, we're taking the fight and reclaiming territory that was never the enemy's. It was always the Lord's. And no matter whatever tactic, trick, or scheme he tries to use, he's not going to be able to overcome the offensive move and posture of the church. The church will always advance. And I say that because whatever poll you read, whatever research is done, is telling us that the church is fading out. But these people are dismissing the scripture and the reality that, listen, today's time, this is actually easy, family, right? We're not, in America at least, we're not getting arrested. We're not getting killed and martyred uh, for our faith in Jesus. This is different. But in those times, they were. Here's my point. The church continued to advance through persecution. In fact, it grew. It became stronger. So no matter what, in our American Western uh, culture, we have to understand that the church will advance. It may look different. It may sound different. It may feel different. But listen, baby, the church is not going anywhere. Jesus is like, mark my words. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm a church person, 
I believe in the church. And I know that people say, well, man, the church has messed up. The church has made mistakes. The church has been on the wrong side of history at times. And all that is true. And you know why it's true? Because the church is made up of you and I. We're broken, hurting, messed up people. And so, unfortunately, that's a part of the process. But we are people who are being built into the person that we're becoming. And so, like Philippians 1.6 talks about, until that day comes, we're going to have these moments. But at the end of the day, this is the thing that Jesus is building. And so Jesus is building his church and he's using us. He's using you and I to do it. So we're bricks, which brings us back. There's a song. I'm not going to sing it. It's an old song. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Y'all, some of y'all got it? Okay. <laughs> no, we're not doing that one. But we're bricks. And um, Jesus is using us to build his church, which brings us back to this question, how we live brick by brick. Here's the first point. Check your foundation. We just sang about that, Matthew 7, 24 through uh, 27. It talks about the difference between building a house on a firm foundation, or excuse me, building your house on a weak foundation. When you do that, when, when the rain comes, when floods come and winds blow, that house is not going to be able to stand. But when you build your life on the person of Jesus, your life is going to be able to withstand whatever it is that the enemy tries to bring your way. So no matter if it's an issue with your health, issue with your finances, if issue with your family, your career. Listen, build your life on the person of Jesus because when you do that, you're able to gain a different perspective of everything that you're facing whenever those tough times and tough moments come because your foundation is not your health, it's not your job, it's not your career, it's not your family, but it is the person of Jesus. And the reason why your foundation is important because your foundation will determine your success. Right. If you have an unstable foundation, you're going to have an unstable life and you're just going to move with the wind. So the foundation that you lay is important. And so from the very beginning of the Becoming Church, my prayer has been that everything that we do, it points back to Jesus. I want everything that we take on to find its way back to Jesus. Listen, we're not trying to, to establish a social gathering but rather a collective of people who, with all of their issues, all of their struggles and flaws, can journey together in following Jesus. But for that to happen, family, we've got to be founded. We've got to be rooted. Our foundation has to be on the person of Jesus. And that's why one of the values of our church is this. Jesus is our message because we're reminding ourselves and we're informing others that this is who we're building our lives on. How else do we live brick by brick? We've got to check our availability. You know, have you ever tried to make plans with someone and literally every option you give them, they're like, oh, I'm not going to be available. Eee, I'm out that week. Oh, I'm traveling that week. You're like, then why are we trying to do this? Like everything's like six weeks out from now, you know, like, huh? Okay. Sometimes in ministry, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of conversations that are like, yo, man, I got you. Whatever you need, I'm here to serve. Let's go. And then you tell them the need, and then they, they ghost you. <laughs> I thought you was right. You see them at Publix. They was like, oh, man, you know, we just been, it's been, but I'm going to see you Sunday, though. And then you Sunday, they will. Like, That's petty. Let me move on. <laughs> or they sometimes they're like, you know, I'm just, I'm just in a season right now, you know. I'm just in a season. 
Like God is, he's, he's pruning me, you know. I'm just, I'm, 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 you said dig deep. I'm, I'm digging deep right now, you know. I'm just, oh man, you know. <laughs> but if we're not careful, family, we can find ourselves living exactly like this, wanting to be used by God but never available for God. But listen, family, it is availability that makes the difference. It's not even your gift. Some people are gifted, but they are never available for the Lord, right? So often we make a big deal out of gifts, but gifts mean nothing if they're not available, right? So what good is it, right, for, for a, a builder to have a brick if that brick is not available, right? An unavailable brick is a brick that cannot be used, right? We need available bricks. And I love the story of Zacchaeus, and I'm going to hurry up and go through this. But and I, I won't rehearse all of it, but some of you may be familiar with it. I believe it's uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10, I believe. It's in Luke for sure. Uh, but Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, and he's in the town of Jericho. That's where he's at. And he hears about Jesus coming down. And he's a short guy, Scripture tells us. And he climbs up into this tree to see Jesus. And so Jesus comes by and says, yo, Zacchaeus, what are you doing? Get down from that tree. I'm going to come hang at your house. Long story short. Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus goes and hangs at Zacchaeus' house, and transformation took place. Like Zacchaeus was a changed man, where once he was a thief, now he's living a life of generosity and actually trying to give back everything that he took. But much more than that, it says that household salvation came uh, to to, uh, Zacchaeus' house. That's why hospitality and what our serve team does. Come on, give it up for our serve team one more time, please. What they do and just... Practicing the way of hospitality, and much more than that, it opens the way for somebody's life to be transformed. And that's what Jesus was. He was hospitable and just went to go be. We don't even have, and I'm glad we don't have, because people be trying to make up, a, so you got to do this and you got to do that. No, just go sit with someone. Just go be with someone. Go be nice. But anyway, that's not the message. But there was transformation that happened. But what set the stage for that moment? It was an available tree. That tree had no gift. That tree can sing. That tree can help nobody park cars. That tree can hold no babies and becoming kids. But that tree was available. And through the availability of that tree, Zacchaeus' life and people around him, their life was transformed. So what does that mean? Your greatest gift is your availability. It's not, oh, I'm not as talented as they are, so I, don't, I can't do that, so I don't need to join the serve team. No, no, join the serve team because your greatest gift is your availability. Here's the last way we live, brick by brick. Brother, check, check your unity. You remember, church, this, this, this is a family. And, you know, Paul in Galatians, he says we're the household of faith. You know, we're a spiritual house that is being built. And one way for this house to be built effectively is for us to be united. Not the same, but united. There's a difference. Because, see, bricks don't stand on their own, but rather they are joined together. And typically, a brick by itself is a reason to run, right? You see somebody, that's a reason to run and get out of the way because an isolated brick is a destructive brick. And it's often pride that isolates us. And unity can only exist where pride does not. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 2.19. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. And then I hit on this earlier. In Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 especially, Paul mentions uh, over a dozen times, several times, I forget the count, maybe 20-something odd times in Christ. 
Like a big deal was being made between Jews and Gentiles. And so Paul was saying, listen, there's something bigger at play. You are in Christ. And then Ephesians 2, 14 through 15, he says this, for we himself, for he himself is our peace. Talking about Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. What does this mean? Because of what Jesus has done in bringing us together through his life, we must choose purpose over preference. That it's about purpose, not about my preference. What song did they sing this morning? That's not really my song, Pastor. Can y'all, can you talk to them and say, don't? Don't sing that one again. For 29 of the 31 weeks, I've sat in this seat. I come in here on the 32nd week and somebody's sitting in my seat. Don't let that happen again. (laughs) But we're choosing purpose over preference. That's how we're going to advance to realize that there is something bigger at play, bigger than us. Are y'all tracking with me? And can I just say this? For 32 Sundays, like you all, this church, you've been choosing purpose over preference. And it's been amazing to, to be able to lead and be a part of this uh, community. And um, I'm thankful for all what God has done these past 31 weeks. And uh, to kind of showcase what he has been up to, would you do me a favor and turn your attention to the screen? Can you give it up for Jesus this morning? This is what it's about. Those last two numbers right there, man, seeing people say yes to Jesus, that's it. That's everything. That's what, it's, that's what we're here for. That's what it's about. It's, it's not about a vibe. It's, it's not about it's cool. It's not about the pictures. It's not about merch. It's not about any of that. It's about people saying yes to Jesus and getting on this journey of transformation. And I'm so excited and thankful for what God has done in only 31 weeks. Please don't discount that. This is significant what the Lord is up to. 
I mean, over 130 people have taken their next step and completed Pathway. That's 130 people that have gone through Pathway. There are more people who show up on a Sunday morning that have yet to go through Pathway. But with that, 130 have gone through Pathway. Over 100 people serving the team. Listen, that's people holding your baby, getting spit up on. That's people, you know, your, your kid wiping the snot on their sleeves. Come on, let's just be honest. That's giving you a chance, an hour and 20 minutes to connect. And, you know, basically it's a date morning for you. <laughs> to real. But people have joined the serve team, parked cars, setting this place up on a Sunday morning, hot, cold, all that good stuff. They're here making it happen. We've participated in over 11 I Love My City Serve Days. That's something that we, we started before the church ever launched. Literally like three weeks after the announcement of the church in March of 21. I don't know, it might have been eight of us on the team at the time. We were out there trying to do all we can in that uh, 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 heat uh, outside at Lee High School. Because that was the foundation that we are establishing. That we were, we were going to be a church, not just a church in the city, but a church for the city. And since then, we've helped to move debris from people's home. Uh, we've gutted homes yesterday, putting up sheetrock and all that good stuff in a home. Uh, we, we, we've cleaned up schools, uh, whether, again, Lee High School or right here at Horizon. Uh, we've performed uh, landscaping and a whole bunch of work uh, over in, in Searcy Homes, uh, Ben. And, and, man, yeah, y'all were killing it that Saturday. Uh, we've had, we had Serve Sunday. Where as a new church, we said, yo, we're not going to gather like normal at 10 a.m., but instead we're going to meet at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It was in July. It was hot. Yo, it was hot. But over 90 of you showed up to serve Horizon Elementary. And then we also packed these community kits that we got to give out uh, to our homeless uh, community. I mean, literally in one Sunday, they didn't even last. Like they were empty. I didn't get the chance to even get any. And then through, through missions and outreach, giving nearly $22,000 to date in missions and outreach. That's various ways to spread the gospel. That's supporting church planting efforts. It's, it's purchasing different items for a, a, a Horizon um, Elementary and helping to revamp the teacher's lounge and new refrigerator and microwave and furniture. Because, listen, you know, we value teachers and what they bring to the table and we appreciate them much. We wanted them to know this is not just about us using a space, but this is about a partnership that we want when we leave this place for it to be. We want to be missed is what I'm saying. And that means that our hearts have to be positioned to make a difference if that's the case. And we've done that as a church and we'll continue to do that. Uh, we've launched over 15 belong groups including Becoming Youth, uh, Middle and High, which I'm really excited about. And, and, and these groups serve a huge purpose because our goal is not to be a church with groups, but a church of groups because life transformations, trans, transformation happens in the context of community. So this is awesome, cool, I love it. But it's what's happening Monday through Saturday that helps bring you to a place of transformation. We launched the TBC app so they are giving us another way to stay connected. And together with ARC, uh, we've been able to come together and launch uh, 21 churches over the last 31 weeks and families. That's, 30, that's 21 communities that's being impacted, 21 communities where people are saying yes to Jesus, where people are getting connected, where people are feeling a sense of belonging. 
And this one was like barely made the video. We were able to find a place uh, in in downtown Huntsville that can be a space for a collaboration to take place, a a place for uh, our, our team to meet, to be a ministry hub. And then 12 people have been raised to life. Come on, through water baptism. And then 70 people have said yes to Jesus and the family. That's all. That's what it's all about. But listen, as amazing as this is, family, the best is still to come. It's not a cliche. I believe that. First of all, people say, why would you say the best is still to come? Life has trials, troubles, and hardship. But the best is still to come because Jesus hadn't come yet. So that is my perspective. So that means what? The best is still to come. And so we're going to keep living, keep doing, keep pushing, keep advancing because he is the best that is still to come. Some people don't like that and they think it's tied to. Anyway, this is Vision Sunday. We're going to keep going. We're just getting started. And we're thankful for what God has us, but we're also looking forward to the future. So let's talk about that. And so I want to share with you some uh, what we call vision projects. And listen, uh, these projects that I'm about to mention, they don't have a timeline that's attached to them. Uh, but they are what we see as part of the vision of the church because I want all of us to understand that the church has vision in, in places that we feel that God has called us to go. And that first uh, vision project is local expansion. That we want to continue to expand the ways that we reach people, uh, which does include building the team. So please know this. We are 100% servant leader functioning. This, the, the Becoming Church does not have a staff that is hired to do anything. So know all of what you see is happening from people who are connected to the vision of the church and want to see the message of Jesus advance. And that means everything. But listen, we love them. So I got emotional. And we care for them and their dedication. But we don't w- wish to run them to exhaustion. <laughs> so over time, hiring key positions will give us the ability to expand our capacity, all for the purpose of reaching more people uh, with the message of freedom, forgiveness, and hope that's found in Jesus. We want to launch Becoming Youth. We love the fact that we have lunch becoming uh, belong groups, and that's awesome, and I love that, but we don't want to stop there. We want to reach students through groups, services, camps, serve projects, and, and, and even more. Um, and also a permanent facility and headquarters, right? We don't, want to, we don't want a facility that dictates the ministry we do, but rather a facility that enhances the ministry we do. So we would never move into a facility where our hands become tied that we can't do what really matters. We're not putting all our eggs into a building. You have already shown up. You will show up to a school. So it's not about a facility at all. But what a facility does do, it helps us to enhance the ministry that we do. We want, to, want it to be a hub for ministry, a place to house uh, certain belong groups, to organize serve projects, to host uh, special services and events, and to serve our community. A local outreach and Tim, if, you, if you'll come, I'm going to land this plane. Local outreach, our desire isn't to be a church that's simply in the city, but a church for the city. And one way that we demonstrate being for the city is by serving the city. And so we want to continue to reach the people of our city. We want to build stronger partnerships with organizations like Generosity Foundation that we have partnered with from day one. And they're doing a great job 
in some of the areas that seems to be the forgotten areas of the city. And we get to partner with them in those areas and reminding folks that there is hope. We also want to develop new partnerships with organizations that care uh, for the whole being of single moms from pregnancy to post-pregnancy to those in foster care and, and to those in, in marginalized spaces. And here's the next vision project, national evangelism. We believe the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. And we want to continue to be a part of church planting efforts to plant more churches across America. Statistics show that more people come to faith through planting life-giving churches. And through our partnership with ART, the Association of Related Churches, we've helped to plant 21 churches this year alone. And that's 21 cities and thousands of people saying yes to Jesus. There's a local church plant in the area that in time you'll find out about that we're going to help to, to be a part of and, and supporting what God is calling this, this new ministry that's about to be announced to do here in the city. Because it was never about the becoming church in Huntsville, Madison. But it's about people being connected and understanding who Jesus is. And if that's here, great. If it's somewhere else, that's great. Because we want people to know Jesus. And so we're going to support uh, churches being planted, even if that's right here in our city. And then world missions. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, look. Go and make disciples. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Family, we want to reach Huntsville. We want to reach Madison and the surrounding areas. But listen, we have vision to reach the world. And listen, some of us, we may never get on a plane and be in some of these places, but we get to still impact what's happening in some of these nations and partnering with organizations that are working to end human trafficking in some very dangerous parts of the world. That includes partnering with organizations to reach um, groups of people with the gospel of Jesus. That's in our vision. That's part of the, the, the vision of this church. And then discipleship. You know, the Capital C Church has gotten discipleship backwards. And our current cultural understanding of, of it. We give a call for salvation first while the call for discipleship happens second. But when you look at scripture, Jesus said, just come follow me. He didn't say, do you believe in me? Yes. Okay, cool. Now follow me. He just said, follow me. And that process of salvation took place. And so in 2023, we want to be able to launch what we're calling Alpha in a significant way, which is a partnership with an organization that has done tremendous things in spreading and bringing an understanding uh, to the faith and to Christianity. And Alpha is designed to answer some of the tough questions of faith, like who is God and why did Jesus have to die? Because it's not enough for someone on a Sunday morning to raise their hand and be like, cool. We have to point them to the what into the process of sanctification and to be able to know, like, what does this even mean? What have I exactly said yes to? So listen, these vision projects, family, they don't have dates. They don't have dates. The dates will be determined by the rate of generosity for these projects and the vision that gets behind them. But I wanted to share this this morning because I want you to know, one, this church has vision, and secondly, where we're headed. And so, myself included, like we don't get to determine the vision, but we do get to determine the pace of vision. 
And the reason why I'm included, because, again, this is God's church. This is the thing that Jesus is building. He just shared the vision with me first, and I got to share it with you all. And so we don't determine the vision, but we do get to determine the pace of the vision. And so remember, two things, or two questions you may be asking is, how are we going to get this done, and why does it need to get done? Well, first, go back to how to live like a brick. Check our foundation, check our availability, and then check our unity. But the reason why this has to get done, family, is because we're just not here to gather in some social club environment. But we're here to reach people with the message of Jesus. But one of the ways that we're going to help accelerate the vision of the Becoming Church is by what we're introducing today. And that's the Bricklayers offering. The Bricklayers offering will be an annual offering where we will give above our normal tithes and offering. And it'll take place the second December, second Sunday of December every single year. It's going to be that same Sunday every year. And so I believe I haven't done the math. It might be about eight weeks from now in that Sunday. Somebody check the math for me. And if you're wondering why that time, why not in two weeks? Why not in four weeks? It's because it is. We don't want you to give out of excitement. We don't want you to give out of compulsion. We don't want to give you, want you to give haphazardly. But we want you to have time to not ask me, please no, <laughs> but to go ask God. And he'll tell you what to do. Go pray about it. Go talk to him about it. In fact, next Sunday we're starting a uh, collection called Who Is This God? And it's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit to understand that he speaks to us. So you don't have to come to me. You don't have to go to anybody else. But you can go and talk to God and, and he'll do that for you. And so on December 11th, we get to respond with however God has led us. And so what I know about vision, family, is that sometimes we can hear it, get a glimpse of it, and then ask how in the world are we going to get there when we're just here? How are we going to accomplish all of these things? And maybe you're asking that about your life. Because, again, this is about vision for your life, that you know that there's something God has called you to, but it's freaking you out. And you're asking all these questions, but here's what you need to remember. Zechariah 4.10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Just start. Just go. Just trust the Lord. Do not despise where you are, because where you are is just a precursor to where you're going and who you're becoming. But you're going to need vision, because vision points to something that is bigger than you. You know, when Walt Disney, when, when Disney World, the idea of it was all happening and ultimately it became a reality, Walt Disney wasn't around himself to see it. And somebody in the moment said, man, I wish Walt was here to see this. And somebody heard it and said, what do you mean? We're only here because he saw this. Meaning, family, we need vision. You need vision for your life. You need vision for your marriage. You need vision for your family. And so here's the win today. True vision is a life that is centered on the person of Jesus. He is the one that gives us vision. He is the one that opens us up to live this expansive life. And all that happens is, family, is brick by brick, stone by stone, that he's using you, he's using your life to make a difference. Would you pray with me?